1: You're listening to A Little Bit Dusty, all things country, rural, and outback Australia. Grab a hot or cold one and enjoy the conversation ahead. Yes, folks, we're back. Welcome to another episode of A Little Bit Dusty. This is episode three. I'm your host, Tyson Godden. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you haven't already, make sure you listen to the first two episodes. First one was with the almighty Queensland agriculturally in-depth comedian, Nick Capper. We covered a lot of good ground from uh, his growing up in Bumai, then moving down to Melbourne and metal and art and what got him into comedy and what kind of ways to set out for an outback trip. And the second episode was a bit of a solo spiel on my travels over the last couple of years and what got me into talking about this kind of stuff and my passion for the outback and all things kind of rural as well. So this episode, we're doing something different. Uh, We're talking a bit of science, we're talking a bit of Western New South Wales, we're talking drag queens, we're talking all sorts of stuff. Tian Harris is a good friend of mine and she works in ecology science and she was recently up in Western New South Wales, up near Fowler's Gap for a bit of a project for her work uh, in her science and we had a really great conversation and we covered a lot of cool topics. So enjoy this chat with Tian Harris talking all things science and Broken Hill and Fowler's Gap. This is episode three. Enjoy. G'day, guys. Welcome to episode three of A Little Bit Dusty. Thank you very much for the support so far. We're going to keep these rolling. We've got plenty of guests and plenty of stories to tell. This one's a little bit different. It's a good mate of mine. She's done a bit of traveling out to Broken Hill and has done some studies uh, along the way. So I'm very interested to hear a little bit more about what she's been up to. Tian Harris, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for
2: having me.
1: No worries. So first of all, you're part, your you uh, included in this Greater Sydney uh, region. You're in, based in the Central Coast. How have you been handling lockdown?
2: Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. So I'm about ten minutes outside of the zone of freedom. <laughs> um, I've been trying to be productive, right? as we all, I'm sure, are. Some days, like super productive. I'm like, yes, yeah, so I can work from home. And then other days, I also live with my family still. Uh, so other days can be less productive than others but um, I'm still fortunate enough that I get to go in to university and to work when I need to only essentially if I need to do lab work so it's not all bad.
1: Okay so this lab work let's uh, dive into a little bit about what you do. Um, So you're I think from the photos I've seen you'll be able to bring a little bit of your work home but you're still able to Go out to the lab. Uh, what's this? What's this lab all about? And what are you? What are you doing in your in your university studies?
2: Yeah. So I'm on the cusp of hopefully finishing my uh, master's of research over the next few months. My thesis is due in October, so I'm just uh, currently finishing up working through uh, samples that I've collected. I Also work on the side, although it's a bit on hold at the moment with studies. But um, as a research assistant for the supervisor of my studies. So I do both. Uh, I major in biological science and ecology, uh, specifically a bit more evolutionary ecology.
1: Okay, so evolutionary ecology and you're doing your thesis. Uh, what's What's your thesis based on and how's the progression of it all going so far?
2: Yeah, so my thesis is on lead contamination in the environment. So how lead affects the physiological processes of the house sparrow so I went out to uh, the small regional mining town Broken Hill um, for about a month and caught sparrows uh, and took biological samples such as blood and feces and feathers. And I'm just looking at how the different ranges of uh, blood lead levels, so like from low to medium to high, affect the bird's health, whether it's a negative impact, positive, which probably <laughs> isn't going kind to of be, or if it's a neutral impact. So. If it's negative, obviously, that's quite significant because that means the the lead contamination is affecting these birds' health negatively, which in turn can I'm sure it's affecting wildlife negatively, right? It wouldn't just affect one species. Hmm. Uh, But also, if it's neutral, which it could be, it's pretty significant because we want to look at then why the wildlife has adapted to such levels in the environment because it's quite a historical rain of lead about 100 to 120 years so how have they adapted over the years to survive and thrive in such a contaminated environment
1: wow that's uh that's pretty interesting so you said it's, it's due in october um how's how's everything been going so far if you've are you satisfied with kind of the results you've gathered and you're kind of drawing to a, a pretty uh a pretty satisfactory conclusion or if you still do you still find there's a bit more kind of work to uh to go
2: um, unfortunately, because of supply issues due to the dreaded COVID, um, a lot of the materials that I needed in the lab were on, um, short supply demand, like globally. So uh, we're having a lot of, um, stock issues in Australia. So i still got a little bit to do with the blood work that I took. Um, it was quite a process to get the stuff needed to do the staining and the microscope work and stuff, but I was able to bring home a microscope. <laughs> so I'm pretty much on track again. I was a little yeah. bit behind for a while there. Um, I just I'm get to go into university tomorrow and I've just got a bit more analysis to do and then I've got to do some statistical work which I haven't done okay. in a long time so that's going to be interesting. Um, and then once I have done the stats I will start doing the write- up and then when I'm ah. finished writing up it'll be a lot more well not when I'm finished while I'm writing up it'll be a lot more clear how the relationship between the lead and all the biological samples I took is formed.
1: Ah, there you go. But so you, you were you hand catching sparrows. What kind of uh, what kind of process is that? And were they yeah. are they uh, were they, are they do they um, do they yeah do they do they peck a bit? Like are they um quite pleasant to work with, or they do they put up a bit of a fight?
2: Uh, they're a and species, so they're quite small. They don't really have um they have predators like a sparrow hawk and stuff like that, but they're not very good at fighting back. they're quite their safety in numbers as you if you've ever seen sparrows you there's a lot of them at once you don't really ever see one or two sparrows also they're really good at finding tiny dark holes to slip into they're like mice with wings they're like insane (laughs) they can get into any small space easily they're commonly found in people's like little uh holes in the gutters they nest in there and stuff oh wow so when you catch them in the net uh, they're pretty they're pretty easy to hold as you've seen many of my pictures holding them yep, they're yep. quite they are good at slipping out if you aren't holding them correctly though oh, so okay. if you're not holding them in the correct hole there's like a special hole that stops them from, they and they're gone so I have let one or two go before especially the little juveniles the fresh fresh flies because they're really small you don't realize because oh, yeah. they're quite feathery how small they are and you've got it in your hand and you're not really got a grip on it and then it's gone But they they do bite. I have quite a few photos and videos of one just hanging off my finger, biting, (laughs) like my finger just hanging there. They've got a good bite. It doesn't hurt, right? It's like, it's like, really? kind of Like, yeah. (laughs) But I quite like them. I think they're they're very smart. They're very, very, very smart. Really suspicious. So it actually makes them quite difficult to catch at times.
3: Ah, they're...
2: They're really good at seeing the net. They're really good at noticing when something's different. Like you basically just move a stick that's been in the same spot for a week, and they're like, "No, nah, something's wrong over there. Let's not wow. go over there, guys." They're very suspicious.
1: What kind of um, what kind of drew you to uh, sparrows in particular, for your studies? Um, it
2: wasn't really the species per se, because I mostly worked with native Australian wildlife, and they're obviously not native Australian wildlife. Uh, it was more the project itself and my supervisor he's a really great scientist he's got some excellent work published uh he's got great work in sparrows and in like natives like zebra finches and stuff but it was more i'm quite interested in environmental contamination and toxicology so i'm quite interested in things like heavy metals uh chemicals all that kind of stuff how that affects the environment people animals so it was more yeah the project that me than the birds. I'd actually never worked with birds before this project or before the zebra finches never really even handled the bird so okay and <laughs> mostly worked with like kangaroos, small like mice, marsupials, stuff like that.
1: Ah oh, so quite a different territory. Have you enjoyed mm-hmm. it all so far?
2: Yeah, a lot big learning curve. <laughs> yeah. birds are I wouldn't say harder because mammals have their own kind of difficulties but it's it's very different handling a bird <laughs> to anything else.
1: Yeah okay. How, how is there such a uh, dramatic amount of lead uh, within the environment in the first place? And how does that uh, reach the sparrows and what causes uh, that to have a big impact?
2: Okay, so Broken Hill was pretty much established because of the mines, right? So the town... Uh, the mining history of the town is about, I think they're when I talked to Luke, they're saying, about 100 years old now. So the mine has been running for like quite a long time. And the mine is like, if you look up pictures quite literally, or if you go there, which I recommend for sure, this huge, uh, they call it the line of load, which is like this huge, essentially dust pile, soil pile, uh, semi in the middle of town um, with like a cafe and stuff and a nice like memorial and stuff on top so the mine is essentially in the middle of the town of course it's underground but they used to they obviously have much better health measures now they used to transport all of the uh like iron ore and the dust and the soil and stuff that they like excavated through the middle of town on the railway so it's pretty easy especially with like the southerly winds and stuff for the dust from the line of load and from the trains and stuff with all the iron and lead and stuff in it to be dispersed across the town. So what uh, we found last year when we sampled was certain areas around the mine uh, in relation to wind direction had a lot higher concentration than areas a bit further out, say more to, I think it was the northeast and west of town where it was quite further away from the mine and the wind didn't really push the dust load out there okay so we have i don't i'm not like a hundred percent about how the sparrows get the lead in their system because that's a whole like new study right you can't just yeah say, no, yeah fair enough i like, yeah. guess without saying but i suppose
1: i was just like, kind of asking that question they're a like dust
2: bathing mm. yeah theoretically they they dust bathe they love to like play in the dust like give themselves okay. like a little dust bath they're eating seed and insects and stuff off the ground like it's it's
1: which is all in the, the environment
2: impact. quite well you know what I mean ah. so they pick it up from the environment it's like when a kid plays in soil they have to yep. re the soil because it comes back the kid has lead from the environment so wow
1: that's um yeah when I mean, you wouldn't really know about these things until you chat about someone, you know about it to someone like yeah, yourself so honestly
2: Oh, before the- I did the project, I knew Broken Hill existed. Of course, I didn't know it was still like a functioning mining town. I didn't know that its like lead levels used to be so high before they did like remediation. So,
1: let's chat about that a little bit. What is so? What's um? So what's the process of uh, remediation? And uh, does that kind of uh, you know reduce? Does it kind of reduce the amount of? Uh, the amount of lead that's going through the environment, or or do they attempt to? And um, you know, has it made, uh, has it has it progressed and made a bit of a difference?
2: Yeah. So from my understanding, um, they offer free like uh blood lead testing to children under a certain age because that's really important for them to get it to like a safe level because that's who it affects the most. Mm-hmm. And they've done a lot of work. I talked to a lot of locals out there that had had their yards dug up. So the, I'm pretty sure the government or mines or someone sponsors it and comes in and they'll, like, dig up the soil. Okay. Uh, I think they, like, might lay down, um, like, some kind of, I don't know what it's called, like, stuff on top to keep it compact. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't blow away the dust and stuff. But yep. they put in, like, fresh. So they'll just bring in, like, fresh soil and stuff like that. And that helps because once they remove, like, down to a certain layer and put fresh stuff on top, you're not exposed to it.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. And I know that the
2: mines themselves with the line of load and stuff have like, they put this special, you see it's like this green kind of spray paint looking stuff all over the top of the dust that helps keep it compact so Ah. it doesn't get like spread throughout town.
1: Right, so within your studies of um, understanding the impact of the lead within the sparrows, uh, I suppose to be fair to say you would have observed, you know, from the outside uh what the, how, what the uh exposure of lead would do through to the community and to um, people and you know and in children as well and uh what kind of what kind of health effects does um it have on a person to have uh you know that much uh, consume that much uh lead over time
2: yeah definitely so um some of the people I work with are great like dr. Mark Taylor and a student max um they, they do a lot of environmental stuff and a lot of stuff with humans, but I've like definitely learned a lot along the way about what it does in people and animals. Cause we're pretty like similar, you know what I mean? Like we yep. all have brain physiology, kidney physiology, that kind of stuff. So um, from what I've read in humans and stuff, obviously it's quite detrimental to like uh, fetuses and children because their brain hasn't fully developed. So it can cause like a lot of neurological issues, uh, uh. decrease in IQ like behavioral issues, heightened aggression, uh, like just trouble learning in general. And then also you have a whole range of like renal issues, like pretty much every physiological system in your body can, is affected in some way from like high like high levels of exposure or like long-term exposure.
1: Wow. So it has quite a dramatic impact.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: But you're, um, while you were chatting to some of the uh, locals or other people out there, did anyone have ca- kind of any of um, – experiences of any of their friends and family going through such detrimental health issues because of this lead exposure?
2: No, um, actually, I don't think because it's been, I think, like back when the mines first started, right, they had no idea about health and safety or what the exposure would do. But I think like over the decades, they've done so much like remediation work. And there's a lot more like, so we have big OHS right, in the mines and stuff now. So yeah. they've done so much work. That I, they do, like, uh, I talk to minors that live out there and they get their, like, blood tested for lead levels and stuff like that. So I think they're pretty on top of it nowadays.
1: Okay. And when did the when did the hospital go in? Because um, from my understanding, I know that they were still, uh, yeah, there was still a lack of important facilities out there, but it seems like over time, or well, since you've been out there the last couple of times too, because I haven't been out there for, what, nearly five years now, but um, a lot of things have improved for the area. Um,
2: I didn't actually know that the hospital is that new, but I do know that it's definitely uh, gotten better. Like a lot of nurses and stuff and doctors, I assume as well, but like I've met some nurses and stuff that move out there to work at the hospital. Cause it's a regional hospital. I met some elderly people that had moved out there after they retired because they had gotten ill and they'd come from like Adelaide and stuff because they said the wait to get into the hospitals at the city were a lot harsher than Broken Hill and it had a better facility for like wow. older and pal- palliative care as well.
1: So people were were willing to risk that, you know, that long commute for the sake of a better service for what some people would think that, you know, wouldn't be out there because of its, uh I suppose, if it's a uh, environment location. That's, um yeah, that's a, that's a big commitment for starters, especially for people of, uh, you know, the elderly are more vulnerable. But um I suppose that's really saying something, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that if they've got better palliative care, you know what I mean? And also, like, it's it's quite cheaper to live out there. They could buy their house. They could retire. Unfortunately, they need palliative care, and they can get in whenever they need it. You know what I mean? It's not as big because the population of the town, I think, is, like, 17,000 people. So compared to a city, it's much easier for them to get, like, the care that they need as quickly as
1: they need it. Mm. Wow, it goes to show the big smoke doesn't have all the answers sometimes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm. um so what so when so when you went out there for the first time and it was and um you know uh, for this year as well is there a certain something that draws you to the outback environment what kind of what makes it so attractive and you know for or for myself I just yeah encourage everyone to go out there because of, well, I really enjoy it but um yeah. For, for, yeah, but, uh, for yourself what yeah what what really kind of draws you to it and what attracts you to that whole environment?
2: Honestly, I love how relaxed they are. It really, you know how everyone's always like, Australians are so relaxed, blah, blah. Mm. Like if you ever go internationally traveling, but obviously I didn't come from the city, but like I work or commute to the city. So I understand that's not always the case, depending on where you live. Yeah, It's quite like, but out there, it's just like everyone is so relaxed. Like I don't think I ever heard anyone beep at anyone on the road. (laughs) Like (laughs) you could literally stop in the middle of the road, like in your car and no blink or anything. And they were just like, wait, just be like 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 no stress like i walked around at night never really bothered never any traffic like a traffic jam non-existent right that's a big it's like one. 10 that's minutes what, to drive yeah. on the side of the town like you can do anything can get anywhere everyone's super chill like i just think everyone loves to go to the pub there's a lot yep. of pubs i think yep, at yep. one point it had the most pubs in australia in a town like wow <laughs> <laughs>
1: like
2: i think it's it's pretty good though. It's pretty like everyone's willing to have a chat too. Like if you wanted to just talk to someone, yeah. like especially a local, you could just probably just go up to them in the pub. But like, I haven't did that so many nights. <laughs> like after work, just sat there and be like, okay oh, I sit here? And then just start having a chat, like super friendly people, always willing to help you out too. Cause like a part of my project was unfortunately going into people's backyards at like five o'clock in the morning to set up nets to catch birds. And yeah, super accommodating and like i people here even where i live in suburbia would be like oh like no that's really early or like mm-hmm. that kind of thing that i really want you in the backyard but there they were so willing to help out and they were like oh like i have a friend that like i'll get in contact so they were like helping me get t- contacts and do my project oh, nice. and like sometimes they weren't even home some people and I was like, Are you sure? Like, you're not going to be home. They're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll just, like, like let well, back it's a gate the camera for like that. you. Yeah. <laughs> They're wow. like, I'll leave the back gate. You can, like, go, use the toilet. No worries. Do what you want. I have, we had dinner with a lot of people, like, there oh, that we great. met. Like, yeah, there were super lovely people, always willing to, like, help out, do whatever it took. It's like a real community vibe, I think. The community is really, like, there for each other.
1: I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, well. Oh, so you yeah, keep going. Oh,
2: yeah is the skies out there i would recommend anyone for the scenery but like the night sky and the morning sky like if you're gonna go to the outback or rural never miss like a sunrise or sunset it's insane out there it's lovely
1: it really is something else isn't it you can't
2: yeah. you
1: can't recreate it i mean you can see the photos and you know it's all well and yeah, good even then, you...
2: yeah my photos
1: <laughs> Yeah. until, until you side. go out and actually see it firsthand it's yeah it's something else i talk about in um the second episode which should be out tomorrow uh just a bit about some of my travels what got me interested into doing this podcast in the in the uh, first place but um yeah when i was drove through adelaide through to broken hill uh as you stated that's when you kind of see that just main stretch of the highway then it turns into that red kind of gravel dust and i was just going look like, at the car going like yes you know like, like i've like i've hit up back country <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> i was um i was drawing an emu with the sun going down but the whole aura of just the whole sky was it's the same color as the dirt that I was drive, just driving through, you know. And it's yeah, it really is something. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's yeah, it's very it's very picturesque and um, yeah, it's absolutely just lovely to look at sunrise and sunset. um yeah, Going back like to that
2: night time, right? Like yeah, you know, light pollution really like never seen so many stars and like little galaxy constellations and stuff. Like well,
1: yep, yeah, absolutely, yeah. There's and it's it, it makes like almost like a you don't really need a torch yet when those kind of areas too. Everything's just naturally moonlit and. Um, also with all the you know with all the stars and yeah you see this kind of little almost milky way looking patterns in them as well and yeah the night sky and the sunrise and sunsets are absolutely beautiful going back to community i think that's a very important point that you raised because i remember i was driving through this driving driving through the city for the first time uh, for work years ago and um yeah stress levels is is a major factor and uh you know there was you know buses and taxis cutting everyone off left right and center and
3: um, oh I, I ended the up constant I, beeping. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah. And no yeah, no one likes it. But you know, in big you know, suburban kind of city areas, like no one's got a second to spare. And um, you know, I remember uh, pulled over to sit in this kind of no stopping area just with the hazards on. I was oh, I just felt like I was ready to just, you know, hit someone or something, you know, like it's just it was just going like, Oh, I just can't believe, you know, the amount of the time it's taken to get here and you know and the experience with it it was just you know it was just absolutely horrible yeah yeah or if you know or if there's a jam or if someone's had a crash on the way through and you got to make that dreaded call like oh look I'm going to be another half an hour late you know there's been a massive we need you here now it's like well I just can't do anything but um yeah even you know going through the... you know I'm you'm in Frenchs Forest here in Sydney and going through the shops or you know sometimes you know some people will say you know hello if I'm going for a walk or down the track or whatever but you know usually people will just head down, you know, they don't want to, you yeah, know, just talk. Just, thing, let right? me do my own thing. I've got something here to do, what that I want to do. It's, cool. it's just a bit kind of, you know, just a bit disappointing really because no one has that extra two seconds to say hello or, you know, so oh, have a good day or, you know, something like that. Maybe if you're at your local cafe or whatever when you're, you know, but then when it's, when it's a business kind of thing, but no one outside of that will take the um, extra two seconds just to kind of, you know, say hello to a fellow stranger and see what's going on. So, um, yeah, as I've noticed when doing I was uh, doing my trip as well, it is refreshing when you can just sit somewhere, you know, in a random pub somewhere and um you know, just have a chat to someone and say, What do you do? or, you know, uh yeah, whereabouts have you travelled and they can tell you something about some you know, somewhere they've been or or oh my family used to you know, they were used to farm uh, rice down in this part of, you know, South Australia or something and yeah, you, know, you just it's just, it's refreshing. And uh, the more stories you, um, you know, the more people you chat to, the more stories you can tell other people as well, which I think can further encourage everyone to get out of the big smoke and, you know, in hit areas like Broken Hill and Fowler's Gap and Silverton too. So, um, yeah, I like how you've, you know, you've said that, you know, everyone uh, was always willing to help out and the community uh, kind of impact in smaller areas is a lot higher than a you know, popular town.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's lovely. And like the story thing, like you were talking about, everyone out there is willing to definitely have a chat and tell you like a story about their life or like if you are new to the town, right, like say what they found out and like they'll straight away, the first things they'd start telling you is like where you should go, what you should see, what you should do. Like Absolutely. it's much better than like internet or like a tour book or whatever could tell you. Like
3: it's mm.
1: pretty great. And the locals usually know all the, all the good spots or things off the map and other different places that, um, you know, you'd have to pay admission fee for, uh, for as well. So I think that's another big um, advantage too. So-
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today.
1: While you were so while you were out there, so one thing um that does happen in kind of rural areas or uh, you know other places that aren't as populated is um there are a few negative traits uh, that happen in these kind of outback and rural areas. Was there did you find any kind of problems in the community while you're up there? And is there kind of uh anything that stood out significantly that, you know, kind of had a bit more of a A negative impact on the community or maybe you know yourself experiencing certain things and for other people traveling up to these kind of areas is there anyone from I suppose the city or the coastline anything that they can kind of do to prevent some of these issues
2: honestly I didn't really I noticed only one thing but no one out here can really prevent it It was like there was a lot of house fires when I was there Oh wow! Um, I actually knew some like local firemen that I met like while I was out there, and they were saying how like it's the older houses, right? And the older wiring, or like there was quite a lot of like cluttered houses. Okay. Um, but I think the one the one of the few main things out there was really the drought. Like that definitely. Like took its toll. Everyone used to tell me, like when I was out there, it actually rained a lot. Like the most it had rained in years, and I was like, I thought the outback wasn't meant to rain. (laughs) It was like like flooding the town basically. Like it was, but it was really cool to see it go from like when I first arrived in like June, I'm pretty sure it was the really dusty dry. So the faint red. It was really dusty dry. Like not really any shrubbery or anything like that. And like living in suburbia, I'm so used to seeing grass, right? People's front lawns everything is grass 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 and like yeah. trees and stuff and when i first got into broken hill because it was houses i don't know why i had the stupid idea that all their front lawns would be grass yeah, yeah. and it would be like <laughs> rust like red dusty and then i was like mostly paved or just like dust but um not too many by the time i was like by the time I was ready to leave and the drive home it was crazy the change it was like beautiful bright red dust green like shrubbery trees had even like come back so wow. I think they're on hopefully if the rain continues like that they're on the road back up to like recovery um another thing I think that is negative out there but I guess it's not really related well, it's semi-related to the fact that it's rural, right? Because of COVID, unfortunately. I think there a lot of the small businesses are affected because Broken Hill is quite a historic town. Everyone loves to visit there. You know, Silverton, you've got your Mad Max. Everyone yeah. wants to see the mines. Like, uh, I think that when I first got there, a lot of the smaller businesses were shut due to restrictions. Like, it was pretty sad to see. A mm. few pubs had shut down. Stuff like that. I think uh, a big thing that we can all do, especially with like travel restrictions, is to travel rural, right? Like, 100%. we can put our money back into the small towns. They love it. They'd appreciate it. Maybe not. They wouldn't appreciate Sydney ciders right now coming out there. But <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: in the future, like, the best thing we can do is go to their pubs, like the local owned pubs, go to the local owned cafes and shops. You know what I mean? You want, you need groceries while you're traveling rural. Go to the small independent grocers. Don't try not to stop at like a Coles or a Woolworths. Yep. Those kinds of things I think can really help the towns out, and they're super grateful for it, and they're super lovely. Like, tr- like tourism is one of the best things for them out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: So. Yeah, especially well. Yeah, hopefully, depending on how long this bloody lockdown lasts for, if you know, if it goes through to hopefully just through to the end of July, then August and September things can lift back up again. I think um, yeah, what a lot of Aussies are hopefully realizing is. Um, you know all those times that have, you know gone to you know other travels overseas or just your standard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, you know badmouth the international travel. I'm just going to try and make a bit of a point here. Um, or, or people that have you know your standard Gold Coastians that just do the the, the barley ship every year or whatever. Um, now that you know that's kind of uh not on the cards. We can we should be able to travel, um, you know, in our own backyard because there's still a lot of sites to see. And what you were saying about the pubs and local grocers as well. It's they're not just another kind of, uh, you know, food works or an an IGA. There's some of these places have been, you know, in the families for, you know, over, over a hundred years. Some of them up to 150 years. I know that um, in my trip in 2017, I went through to uh, a place called Eden, which is in the far South coast. And uh, one of my things I was doing along the trip, I was going like, oh, well, I'm going to go to those different small places, but also, um, you know, who's going to got the best, who's got the best meat pie. That was kind of like a little competition, (laughs) a little guess. I was a little game. I was running through my trip and, um, I went to this, you know, went to this bakery. I got a, I think it was a meat pie, so I should roll, need this tart. I thought I'll get the, the range and see, see, you know, see what, yeah, see what they're up against, and uh, you know, like a milkshake with it as well, and um, yeah, it ended up, yeah, you know, had it all, really enjoyed it, and they've gone like, oh, how was it? And I said, oh, you know what, like that was that was probably one of the one of the best meat pies of I've had actually today. Like that was that was really really nice. Is what's i not, not. I don't want to, um, you know, try and spill your secrets. But what's, uh, what's, what, <laughs> what, what, ma- what, what made it so good? And yeah, literally, there's, there was all, um, you know, a bunch of elderly ladies that ran the ran the joint, this bakery, and they said, "Oh well, our um, great grandmothers had made the recipe for um, this you know, for this meat pie, and we've just followed it since. We haven't changed it one bit. And uh, you know, we're kind of, um, yeah, you know, we're kind of uh, you know, got a bit of a bit of uh, fame for it. Yeah, you know, this is what." Makes this particular bakery stand out from the rest. We use the same recipe and haven't added anything. And um, yeah, we've had, we've had this place running for I think about 150 years or so. When wow. I was pretty taken back, I thought, well, there's yeah, you know, that's a you know a local owned family business, but that's gone for that long. And you find in these kind of outback areas that they do last a lot uh, you know a lot uh, longer as well, rather than having you know someone with a you know with a collar or a suit and trying to you know buy it out and make another Michelle's patisserie or something and then <laughs> yeah. the whole um significance and the whole that whole history just kind of gets washed away so um uh, yeah stopping in in these kind of smaller locally owned uh stores and going to these local owned pubs and yeah supporting you're supporting yeah um you know hundreds of years of history in some points as well especially one of the best parts about going to outback pubs is just the actual buildings too. If they were built in say eighteen sixty, eighteen seventy, or whatever, they're still lasting. They're still there. You know, it's not a massive construction company or, uh, you know, just going for that next set standard build where it's only going to last however long and then it gets knocked down and turned to something else. And these are places that have had you know a lot of uh, yeah they've had a lot of people go through them, a lot of money go through them, but um. A lot of the other places, a lot of other pubs as well what I like. As you can see, the, you know, the progression of the photos as well of the different places yeah, of the area and, those, and yeah. how it's progressed. Like what you were saying about some. Um, like the main
2: street, yeah, the yeah. main street in town. Like yeah. it's still pretty similar, but obviously it's a lot more modern. they got like some takeaway, like subway and stuff now. But like it's cool to see, first of all, still so many pubs, <laughs> but like. <laughs> the old school like some of the pubs i went to a fair bit out there because well it's the pub (laughs) (laughs) um like there's one called the palace hotel and they do like drag shows they have this like um from priscilla queen of the desert and stuff like that and inside is like i don't even know like uh leonardo da vinci sistine chapel kind of stuff like the wall is like water to represent like the murray river and then there's like Ah. angels and stuff on the roof like crazy paintings and it's been like around for like decades and decades whereas like there's a newer pub that I went to just once because I was trying to try them all right um and it's um quite built up modern new apparently millions of dollars went into it or something like that like it's very like it reminded me of like somewhere you'd go in sydney or something right right it's, it's quite i like that traditional they don't look like a pub anymore you know what i mean i like yeah. that traditional pub that this Aussie the kind of
3: yeah
2: but that like outback you or not just like another modern place with like indoor plants and like you know what i mean mm,
1: mm. it's
2: not the same vibe that's not a pub it's like a restaurant
1: <laughs> so Roughly, roughly how many pubs are there in Broken Hill and how many did you, did you visit over your uh, over the two, two oh times that you've been? <laughs> <laughs> or oh, were they too blurry to remember? <laughs>
3: no, no,
2: no. Responsible. I was catching birds at like five in the
3: That's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: uh, um I think there is there was quite a few down. I'd noticed, like a bit boarded up and stuff like that. But oh, I'd yeah. say I went to like probably only like 10 different ones. Only 10. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow.
2: I mean, you know, I had work. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, nah, yeah. Fair I didn't enough. go yeah.
2: on, like, a week nine, except there's, like, um, karaoke. Uh, I, we did go to the palace a lot because, like, there was always events there and stuff. And because okay. of COVID restrictions and stuff, uh, some were, like, shut earlier and stuff like that. Um, They had karaoke on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, I don't know. But the whole town turns up. Like I was that's out there cool. for my twenty seventh birthday this year, and it was happened to fall on the same night. So I was like, "Yeah, karaoke for my birthday, yeah. let's go!" <laughs> Why not? <laughs> the whole town. I swear to God, it was packed. Obviously, the COVID restrictions were gone out there. Like yep. they At the time, was, like, didn't have to distance and stuff. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's great. Like everyone supports each other, and obviously, you get some people that cannot sing. But like that's the point of karaoke, in my that's eyes. But like, it. yeah. <laughs> the same people because i'd been like i think that was my third or fourth time going and the same people from last year <laughs> were there this year ah. and they pl- they sing like four or five different songs you know what i mean like right, get up, yeah, and yeah. This song. they love it like everyone <laughs> like there was one lady that got up and you could tell she was really like, didn't want to do it. She seemed quite nervous and was like second guessing. She was like mumbling really soft, but everyone started singing along with her and then she just fully got Let's into it. That was, oh, okay. like, was great. That was way better than like a night out at a club or anything. Like to me, that's
1: like so <laughs> fun. Right? Yeah. That's so what you're saying about uh, the drag night. Um, for those who haven't seen it, Priscilla Queen of the Desert. That's one other thing that uh, Broken Hill is famous for. And there was an ad for, I think it was, um, amy insurance where uh these two drag queens have their bro- uh, their car break down they go oh, i'm never gonna we i've got to make it to broken heel
3: yeah. and i'm
1: pretty sure from my understanding that's a little festival in itself so yeah. what was the what was what kind off. of um what was the what was kind of experiencing that kind of uh drag queen kind of culture um out in the outback like and um what what kind of activities were there and how is it uh how is it welcomed from yeah, other everyone people? loves it
2: like it's a pretty popular pub like no one obviously has any prejudice as they shouldn't but like the uh I can't remember their name but the host of it I guess is so funny because that when they're not in drag they're still the host but then when they're in drag they come into like a whole new character you know what I mean like on stage it's like different do like a sing and dance act super funny like interactive with the crowd like it's it's pretty fun um uh they didn't get to do broken heel though which sucks because i would have been out there at the time <laughs> because of all the restrictions and stuff they had to cancel it but i've heard everyone was like you have to come back for it you have to which i'd like love to it sounds great the whole town goes out all out apparently like all the businesses get involved oh you know, wow and it brings like a lot to them so i think it would be something something to say so that you know.
1: further emphasizes that community impact for a major yeah, event in the town right? too when it's such when- a
2: like like not small event but you know what i mean like uh, for such a small town to have such a big event bring so many people and for everyone to get so involved i think it's really cool like mm. we don't have that where i live and we live in a place of like what a hundred thousand people or something so
1: yeah it was pretty cool so yeah. for those for those interested when is the broken heel festival when's it when's it ruffling around what time of the year
2: uh, i'm pretty sure it's in september okay so the spring, which would be like a nice time to go to Broken Hill. I recommend not going in the summer. <laughs> I was there in December. Oh, my gosh, just finishing up. I was there for about two weeks of December, the first two weeks before I ended up um, coming back because I'd finished like field work. And one day it hit 48
1: yeah, right. So. I was about to say, what kind of temperatures were you hitting? So you got to that oh, high Oh, we're 40s getting 40s years.
2: a lot. Yeah, high Woo. 30s pretty much. We had like three or four days of like 40 to 44 in a row, and then it hit 48, and I was like, this is it. We're all <laughs> <laughs> The house I was living in didn't have like air con, so yep. I was like, this is it. I was like, this is death. Like the, going out in the sun like hurt, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. Australian classic like hurt in the sun. Even when it was like 30 degrees, it was still mm. like – hurting i was like but obviously i survived <laughs> that's another difference i suppose
1: between um between that kind of heat too like it's not your your cans kind of tropical humidity kind of heat where you're walking out and you're just kind of sweating but it's still kind of there's it you know there's a bite to it but it's still doable but um yeah go, you know, broken hill and other kind of real dry areas like it's just that mm-hmm. it's that hot stinging sun so
2: thirsty right like mm-hmm. you have to be like obviously they all know how to handle it so it's fine but like I, we couldn't work that day obviously um didn't want to hurt the birds either like it's way too hot but yep, like yeah, everyone yeah. everything's different
1: everyone's inside everyone's trying to get air conditioning like no one's as lively just trying to survive <laughs> yeah the right same
2: inside did not go in
1: that sun <laughs> mm. how did you how did you uh prepare or keep um yeah or keep kind of uh keep keep your body and kind of mental state in check when it was kind of um when it was hitting those temperatures and obviously you know drunk, drunk, drunk a lot of water but um drinking too much water when it gets that hot is uh yeah it can be yeah <laughs>
2: Ah uh, yeah, I love the parades. Has <laughs> <laughs> stuff. i um, actually it was so hot like trying to sleep. I like wet a towel, you know when you like soak a yeah, towel yep. and just slept with like a towel instead of a blanket, a wet towel on me because right. I was like it's so like dry and hot. I was like cannot like breathe in the air, right?
1: And so that you know, makes the point of
2: dealing with it. Like yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. in heat before. I've been in humidity and dry but like 48 something else I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that really shapes a person as well especially if you've grown up out that area you know, that really you know brings that kind of uh uh, tough thick skin kind of old school kind of character and you know? it's like oh I've been here I've been out yeah, here yeah probably here gets like hot, oh it's you know? not
2: but even hot yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah that's right yeah <laughs> or like Obviously in the UK really when, <laughs> like in the UK when it gets to like 30 what like 28 29 or 30 and they call it a you know a catastrophic heat wave and it's like well no like, it's just legit. no you say nothing mate. <laughs> yeah
2: when I was over in London it was like 25 I was still in like a jumper and stuff and I was like mm. it's cold and they were like whoa summer and they were
1: like
2: sweating I was like what <laughs> So this is winter, what are you talking about? So I guess, yeah, when you grow up, you can handle it. Another thing is, like, it gets really windy out there. Oh. Like, they have a wind, like a wind season, I guess. Normally, I think it is October, September to October. It's like a month of wind. But okay. when I was there, it continued into, like, November, December, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, so we couldn't go out in the field, especially, like, when I was working out at the station because that was a lot more remote, whereas in the town, you're fine, you're safe um some like 65k winds gee did yeah have, like um, crazy dust storms yeah like shit like that like so dusty and hazy like crazy
1: i was yeah i was about to say did that have quite a uh, uh environmental impact or did were, you have know, a kind of houses kind of like you know brush straight red or was everything you know did it go, go through all your filters in your car and that sort of thing like does it have quite a Quite a bit of an impact or is it just kind of a oh it's just a dust storm it's just a windy one to all kind of pass over. Yeah they're like
2: whatever about it but I was like whoa like look at all this dust like it's all in the house like there's not even any point you sweep and then the next day it was like a red dust again everywhere yeah, right. like couldn't hang clothes on the line kind of thing because of the dust. <laughs> just when it's windy, yeah like you've got some super super strong windows, which I didn't know. I, I figured it would be protected in some way, like I didn't think, but I guess it, I don't really know much about an outback climate until I moved out there, right? So, mm.
1: Yeah, gee. Uh, so during the both times you went out to Broken Hill, what's uh, what's kind of the most like wildest or crazy experience you you encountered out there?
2: Honestly, I didn't really. I was working a lot, so mm. <laughs> like I didn't do much, but um. We had um, a lot of like hail, we had big hail storms when I was out there, which I know is not like a crazy experience for me, but like environmental wise, right? Like it was pretty insane. And like some of the storms I had out there when I was working out at the research station because it doesn't really rain much. And it's all tarmac mostly now, all yep. the way up to like Timbara But where we were staying on the station, you had you went from tarmac through like a dust road and a creek crossing. You had to cross a creek to get to the accommodation okay so it rained I wouldn't even say a lot but I guess for out there it's a lot so we couldn't get back out onto the main road and everyone had to stay in their accommodation for like oh, two wow. days I'm pretty sure it was because the creek had like got water in it and we were stuck and I was like talking to the people that live there all the time right and I was like what do you just have to always make sure that you have supplies and stuff I'm like yeah because like if it rains you could be stuck depending on the roads for like a week or something you know what i mean
1: whoa
2: so i think like it's pretty different way of living you have to make hmm. sure that you also town is like three hours away so you can't ever forget any groceries or anything
1: yeah 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 so that's the biggest difference between uh you know shopping for things you need in case in a situation like that uh, occurs rather than one new daily case of bloody covid and then you got three hundred people in a shopping center fighting over fucking yeah <laughs> um so tian for anyone who's so obviously you know i'm sure that a few listeners have picked up and got a bit of an itch to check out broken hill uh hopefully when um uh you know restrictions uh ease and that sort of thing it seems like there's a lot of different events out there uh for anyone who's wanting to go out to that area or Silverton or fowler's gap or tipper Borough or areas close have you got any advice go
2: to all of them but tipper Borough as well I, I ended up getting to go there and it was it was beautiful
1: have you got any advice for people wanting to hit those areas or even just kind of rural areas for the first time and how to kind of prepare or what to look out for along the way and things like that?
2: Uh, yeah, so always bring cash. <laughs> <laughs> not not much of an issue in Broken Hill. Very built up, lots of banks. But like for smaller towns that you stop along the way, they do have ATMs obviously in F-Cost, but I think it's a lot easier for them, especially the like smaller independent owned business to yep. deal with cash if you're not spending like 100 hundred, two hundred $200. Just cash always which we're not used to right i can't remember the last time that i had cash out or like used cash everything now it's just card 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 it's yeah it's easy. a big convenience here isn't it good to mm. go yeah right whereas like <laughs> you go all those little towns and it's like really inconvenient for them for like a five dollar pie or whatever for <laughs> you yeah. to use like a card um always yeah support the small locals i think visit every pub <laughs> every town you go to every pub and don't go be to afraid to chat to like the bar people or uh if you notice anyone like sitting in the pub especially if they look like local you know what I mean in a big group or whatever most locals are never afraid to like have a chat give you advice they always know the best places to go they have the best advice on where to visit like I'd never even heard of That <laughs> might sound bad I don't know but like And then when I was in Broken Hill, everyone was always like, even though I was working a lot, like, have you been to Thibaut You should do this. You should do that. You should go to this national park. Like, I'd never heard of all these places. You know what I mean? Like, granted, I wasn't there for a holiday, but I had a few days off. So, And it was beautiful. I ended up going. It was, like, a great experience. It was great advice. Uh, See every sunrise and sunset if you can, obviously, as we talked about. And if you do not like flies. (laughs) <laughs>
3: not
2: go in the, or the heat right if you don't do well with the heat although a lot of rural australia is like more closed national park wise in the summer don't go in the summer if you don't like flies yeah so many flies so so many flies or and mosquitoes at night time apparently oh yeah when we're yeah. in tibibarra we had the smart idea to um camp out on the back of a tray like a Ute tray you know mm-hmm. with a, like a mattress blankets we're like yes yeah, true camping true australian camping worst idea we ever had (laughs) watching the sunset beautiful i was like this is the best day ever you know what i mean like beautiful sunset with like a blanket a beer looking at holy shit within five minutes i could not see a piece of my skin that was not covered in mosquito they just came in like at sunset as soon as the sun started going down and we Uh, didn't think right like it's dry it's hot it's summer
1: yeah it doesn't matter
2: (laughs) like so if you don't like flies or mosquitoes be prepared
1: (laughs) There you go. Well, I reckon that wraps it up for Episode 3 of A Little Bit Dusty. Tian, thank you very, very much for being our uh, third guest. I think we've covered a lot of good ground, um, some different things to see around Broken Hill and other areas and uh, things to look out for, for heading out to those areas for the first time. Is there any kind of uh, other info people can uh, check out related to your studies?
2: Uh, Yeah, so my supervisor actually has a page, if you're looking for more of the native stuff with the zebra finches or what my lab mates are doing because they do a lot of stuff out in the kimberley with other different breeds of finches and stuff it's called griffith ecology so, okay. just look that up. so we've got facebook page web page stuff like that um, also more of the sparrow stuff to do with lead or what we just do in broken hill in general so a bit more about my project or broken hill sparrows in general is called house sparrow science
1: Right, House Sparrow Science and Griffith Ecology. Awesome. Look, I'll be sure to check that out in my spare time as well, because I don't really know too much detail about what you were doing uh, prior to this convo. So I'll be sure to check that out in my spare time. Yeah. Tian, <laughs> thanks for again for um, uh, jumping on the show. And listeners, no, be sure to look for out for our uh, next one. We've got another very special guest coming up uh, very, very soon. So stay tuned. <laughs> and until then, keep it dusty. Catch you later. <laughs> yeah,
2: see ya. <laughs>